Hey, so also next Sunday, I will be beginning uh, a new sermon series that will stretch through the fall, I know. And it is uh, from the Old Testament prophet of Zechariah. I know some of you didn't see that one coming. Uh, I'm super excited about this, and we are going to talk about the glory in small things. It's a fascinating book, and I believe God's going to speak to us uh, in a powerful way uh, this fall as he teaches us about obedience in the small things that projects out so that his glory might be known in all the world. And so I want you to be looking forward to that uh, starting next Sunday, which means that this Sunday I have one final sermon on living in the light. And so we want to talk about God's word today. And specifically today, how do we hear God's voice? Um, I was raised in the First Baptist Church of Wichita Falls, Texas. It's a large church. Um, that sanctuary, the old sanctuary, had a wraparound balcony. There was some point when we were kids, and quite honestly, it was surely had to be when the youngest, number three, was a little heathen in church, that uh, mom and dad said, we're moving to the balcony. Amen, balcony people? Yes. Y'all didn't respond to that. But anyhow, that's fine. Y'all get it. That's why y'all are there, most of you, I imagine. Um, and so we sat, if, if I'm standing at the pulpit of First Baptist Wichita Falls, we sat right up here on the right. And that was pretty fascinating. I dreamed of throwing air, paper airplanes off the balcony. But I also valued my life, and I knew my life would be ending quickly in the service at the hands of my mother, uh, if anything like that happened. But when I became a youth, we began to sit down in the front section. And uh, so mom and dad are up in the balcony, but as we got older than we, us, my brother, sister, and I would sit in um, the youth section down front on the left. Um, now you realize this is a sanctuary that seats over 2,000 people. There's a lot of people there. But there was, there was a sound that occasionally I heard, might we even say it came from the balcony direction. And it was this sound. <clears throat> it, it, was, it went twice or three times if I didn't hear it the first time. That was the sound of my father clearing his throat. Now, I was hoping that was directed towards my brother and my sister, but if I was the guilty party, I knew that was my daddy who was watching from the balcony who's saying, I brought you in this world, your mama will take you out. <laughs> but literally, in a crowd of 2,000 plus people, I recognized when my father cleared his throat. <clears> throat> And I knew it was my father, and I knew that he was watching me, and um, I better uh, behave myself. It's kind of interesting. Um, there was a reason that I, somebody cleared the throat right over here. Yes, no, was that, <laughs> you got your two kids with you, just, yes. Uh, 
The reason I knew my father's voice, distinct from every other father clearing his throat in that auditorium, was that I had been born into his family and I had been raised for all of those years in his presence. And so I knew the sound, not just of his voice, but him, of him clearing his throat. Jesus talked about something similar to that in John chapter 10, where we will be this morning for the final sermon on living in the light. Um, and I wanted to share this before we move to the book of Zechariah, because it is critical in the Christian life that we know the voice of God. Jesus uses the illustration in John 10 of a shepherd and sheep. Now, understand that Palestine is particularly suited uh, for the raising of sheep. Not so much agriculture. There's not a lot of flat, fertile land, but there's a lot of rocky, hilly land. And so the Palestine is particularly uh, suited for the raising of sheep, not so much agriculture. It is interesting to me that as Jesus uses this as an illustration, and there's a number of things that we will see this morning about the shepherd and the sheep. But there is one key component that threads its way through all of his words, and we're not going to read all of his words. Uh, but it is this phrase that is repeated in which he says that my sheep hear my voice or the phrase my sheep know me. And I think there's a number of truths that we can glean from this and there were surely a number of things that Jesus wanted his first hearers to learn from this. But when he gives the illustration and he talks about the shepherd and the sheep, I believe at the very center of that is this idea of sheep know the voice of the shepherd. So Jesus says in John 10, I'm going to read the first six verses and then I'm going to skip on down uh, to chapter, to verse 24. So Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and here he says it for the first time, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, here it is the second time, for they know his voice. Yes, they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, 
for they do not know the voice of strangers. Here's the response in verse 6. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Now, he continues this, and we're going to, you can read that later. But if we skip down to verse 24, it says, Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Final verse, verse 31. Then the Jews took up stones again, to stone him. Uh, Jesus begins in verse 1 with a very classic uh, phrase in our, uh, in verse 1. He, it's, in my new King James, it says, most assuredly, if you were raised in the old King James as I was at First Baptist, which falls, the old King James says, verily, verily. Uh, uh, some translations may say truly, truly. It's not, it's, it's repeated. It's a, it's a double word there, and literally it is the Hebrew word, amen, amen. So when Jesus speaks truth, he doesn't say amen at the end. He says amen at the beginning, because what he's about to say is truth. And, and mark it in the scripture. Anytime Jesus starts with something, amen, amen, your ears ought to, per, ought to perk up because he's about to say something significant. Not that any of the words of Jesus are insignificant, but when he's about to make a pronouncement, he says, verily, verily, truly, truly, most assuredly, amen, amen, I say to you. Now, for us to understand what Jesus is about to say, we have to identify who the you is. Who was Jesus speaking to? In John 10 1 and you see it really later in the in the context but I want I want us to understand his target audience actually if you go back in John so obviously 10 1 is the start to a new chapter which the chapters were added later but if you go back in the scripture you go all the way to John chapter 7 and Jesus comes to the city of Jerusalem that's verified later in John 10 that he's still there and you see that he dialogues with the Jews 
So sometimes when Jesus speaks, he's speaking to his disciples. But I want, what I want you to understand is when Jesus speaks here, he is speaking to the Jews, and most specifically, he is speaking to the Jewish leaders. Very significant that we understand the context of his words when he speaks this. His audience is the religious leaders. Um, what I like about this passage is that Jesus not only speaks to the religious leaders. <laughs> this is just Daryl Smith. There's just some things I really like it when Jesus does. He don't, Jesus not only speaks to the religious leaders, he speaks about the religious leaders. And the truth is, they don't even know that he's talking about them. But they live out the very thing Jesus was talking about. That, that just kind of intrigues my mind. Jesus is talking to them, and he's talking about, really, only my sheep hear my voice. And so you get to this, these response verses that I read in verse 6. So Jesus has, has said, you know, if sheep don't, understand, don't hear the voice, then they're not of that, that shepherd. They, they don't know. And so what does John insert in verse 6? He says, Jesus used this illustration, but they, who is they? Yes, the Jews in general, but specifically the Jewish leaders, did not understand the things which he spoke to them. What's Jesus going to say later? Why didn't they understand? Because you're not of my sheep. The other thing, as Jesus had said, is actually sheep will run from a stranger, a voice that is not their shepherd. There is a reaction against that. And so we come to verse 31. What is their response to what Jesus has said? Verse 31, then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus teaches them about the shepherd and the sheep. And he lays out certain principles. And they live out those principles as the story unfolds. They do not understand and they react in opposition to him and to what he has said. Most assuredly, I say to you, with that understood, most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Now, I know this is just the first verse of this illustration, this lengthy illustration that Jesus is going to use. But do you understand who Jesus was talking about? Who are the thieves, thieves and the robbers that try to enter some other way other than through the door? There may be a number of those. But some of those are the religious leaders who 
not only had been led astray by someone who was not the shepherd, but they as shepherds themselves had led other people astray. If you think about someone who would come over, a, now the picture here is of an enclosure, uh, particularly at night in which uh, a shepherd or a number of shepherds would bring their flocks and would put them in this uh, maybe rock enclosure for safety at night. And so, and there's one door and there's a doorkeeper as Jesus describes it here. Uh, <laughs> Jesus is saying anybody that's climbing over the wall does not have good intentions. They are not climbing over the wall for the, for the well-being of the sheep. Just know that only the shepherd comes through the door. Anybody that's coming over the walls, you know they're up to nothing good. And think about it. What, why is a thief and a robber coming over the wall? They do not have the best interests of the sheep in mind. They are there... Uh, to uh, take advantage of the sheep. This is where we come, charity, to verse 10, <laughs> within the context that I didn't read, when it says the thief does not come except to steal, kill, or destroy. There's a comma there, and Jesus goes on to say something. We'll get to that later. No, why does... No, think about it, people. If somebody's coming over the wall... They do not have your best interest at heart. And so it was true for uh, the sheep. Just know that uh, they were there to do harm. Now, before I get to some truths that Jesus teaches about his voice with his sheep, let me pause right here and just say the tricky part in life the complicated part of life is that Jesus' voice is not the only voice in our life. There are other voices. There are other people who are trying to influence us and lead us. And so at this point, we need to understand that Jesus is acknowledging that there are other voices, there are other influences, there are others that are trying to lead the sheep, but just know that they have, they do not have the sheep's best interest in mind. When we take this down to apply it to us today, we understand there are other voices in our life other than God's voice. Uh, there's many other voices. One of the things that I believe is significant that Jesus teaches, uh, this is in verse 5, he talks about the voice of strangers and he says, yet they will by no means follow a stranger but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. It's critical in the Christian life that we are able to distinguish between the voice of God and every other voice. One voice we follow, the other voices we flee from. Understand that if we follow the voices that are not the shepherd, the outcome is not good.
because only the shepherd loves us and has our best interest at heart. So Jesus makes a contrast after verse 1, and he says, verse 2, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. I want you to notice there's a definite article that denotes the shepherd of the sheep in verse 2. It's not that sheep had multiple shepherds. There was one shepherd. And particularly in the spiritual realm, there is one shepherd of the sheep. Verse 3, to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. Of all the things that Jesus would connect to the relationship between a shepherd and a sheep, it is the voice that he highlights in this passage. Understand that sheep and their shepherd have a unique relationship. Six times in this passage, there are, there, Jesus refers to his own sheep, my sheep. It, it's a personal pronoun. It is, these are mine. There is a relationship, a unique relationship between sheep and their shepherd. I was thinking about this, that this week. And think about this. How, in, in ancient times, how would a shepherd add sheep to his flock? And I got to thinking, it's like, the shepherd does not go out and buy someone else's sheep and bring them into the flock, no. The only way that sheep are added to the flock is if those sheep are born in that flock. No, that's how the, sh the shepherd increased his flock is they produced and other sheep were born. And here it is. This is the significance. This is the Ray Smith principle. No, I was born. The day I was born, the first human voice or sound I heard was, if you're a sheep, not Ray Smith's son. If you're a sheep, it was the sound of that shepherd. Why did the sheep know the voice of the shepherd? Because that was the voice that that sheep heard from the day it was born. That's the way it had always been. That's what its ears were attuned to. And so it speaks to this unique relationship that sheep and their shepherd have. And so in verse 3, he kind of talks about that, and he, he talks about how the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own, you see that personal uh, possessive uh, pronoun there? He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The picture is of an enclosure and there are multiple flocks of sheep in there that have been kept there overnight. But when the morning comes, the way they divide up the sheep is their shepherd comes to the door and calls them. And because their ears are attuned to him, the sheep that are his walk out the door and he leads them. The sheep that are not his stay in the enclosure because they don't know that voice. In fact, they run from that voice. And so this is in ancient times. The shepherd or shepherds could call their own flocks and their flocks would come. Significant to me, and understand this, and obviously Jesus has this in mind, 
is the shepherd does not drive sheep. The shepherd leads sheep. And even maybe more significant is that a shepherd leads sheep by his voice. A shepherd leads sheep by his voice. And I believe in the spiritual realm that is hugely significant. And the sheep... are led out and follow the shepherd. And, and I thought about this, this phrase that it says that he leads them out. Remember that the thief and the robbers come in the doors, but they have no good intentions for the sheep. Why does the shepherd lead them out? Well, it's for multiple reasons. But I, I love it. They're all detailed in David's classic statement in Psalm 23 when he, and listen to that. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still water. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I'm forgetting part of it. I'm sorry. Uh, Sorry. He restores my soul. Sorry, I almost had a moment there. He leads me in the paths. I'm sorry. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I mean, if you ever want to know, why is the shepherd leading the sheep out? What is it? What is that shepherd doing for those sheep? It's all of those things that we see in Psalm 23. It's all about the life and the well-being of the sheep. I love it because later, I believe Jesus takes this to the spiritual level when he says in verse 27, he said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life. Uh, and sometimes we think of eternal life as only life that starts when we die. No, eternal life starts the day we're saved. It's a life that, that projects into eternity. When the Lord is our shepherd, when Jesus is our shepherd, He gives us life. And not a life that would end in this world, but a life that projects into eternity he has our well-being in mind he leads us by his voice when we're obedient to follow he leads us to life and I think one of the implications of the scripture is we have to stay close enough to the shepherd to hear his voice and if we will respond to the shepherd's voice then he will lead us to life now, this summer, this is what I want to say to, to wrap this up. Um, we've talked about living in the light. 
and how the scripture sheds light on our lives. We took as our theme verse Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I want to wrap up all of those sermons from this summer. And our scripture here in John 10, there's, there's a few final points I want to say. Here's the first one. That's central to the Christian walk is hearing God speak. Central to the Christian's walk is hearing God speak. God speaks. God is speaking to us. I would say primarily that God speaks through His written word and He speaks through His Holy Spirit. In fact, I would say the vast majority of times that God speaks with those two things in conjunction. God will take the written word and will speak to us through it and the Holy Spirit to illuminate the truths that we need to know for the light to be shed on our lives that we need. Central to the Christian walk is hearing God speak. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is essential to that. We've talked about the Scripture shedding light on our lives. Um, God invariably will work through His written Word, but speak to us through His Spirit personally, specifically to us. The Holy Spirit is essential. And the only way you receive the Holy Spirit is if you've been born again. That you've been born into God's flock. And the Spirit gives you the ability to hear God's voice. One of the most common questions I've had as a pastor through the years is how do I know when God is speaking to me? At the very essence of that, the question is how do I know? How do I recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit? It's, it's central to the Christian life. It's essential. God gives us the Spirit when we are born again. This is what I want to say to you. How do I know when the Holy Spirit is speaking to me? This is what I want to challenge you with. We will recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit when God's written word is ingrained in our minds. If you want to recognize the voice of God, God spoke in a very lengthy book. And if you will read it, study it, listen to it, let it penetrate into your mind, into your heart, I'm saying to you, if this book will be ingrained in your mind, when God's Spirit speaks to you, you will recognize the voice because it is the same voice. 
Now, I understand hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit is not is, is, is complicated in many ways, but I'm saying something very practical. If God's word will be ingrained, his written word will be ingrained in your minds, then you will recognize the voice of God in the Holy Spirit because it is the same voice. The other thing it will do it, is, is it will identify the voice of the strangers. Because when this is ingrained in our minds, when there comes a voice and you say, I wonder if that's of God, if this is so ingrained in your minds, you'll go, mm-mm, that doesn't sound like God, not what he's written down in his word. It doesn't matter what my spirit may say. I'm saying there's one thing, and it really is kind of just the final challenge from this summer, is this is what I want to say to you is that if you will read his word, his written word, daily and systematically, that is the way you will understand the voice of God because he wrote, he wrote the book. And you will hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. It will be the same voice and it will be in, it will be in alignment. So can I just challenge you? As we conclude this summer series, as many of you have been reading daily, continue that, whether it's in a D group. Uh, obviously, there are other ways that we take in the Word of God. And um, yes, there's sermons, there's life group lessons, uh, there's D groups, um, there's all kinds of things. There is no substitute for you daily and systematically reading, studying, memorizing, meditating on God's written word. If you will do that, you will recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life and it will also help you to distinguish the voice of the stranger. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Father, we... Uh, we thank you that you're a God who speaks and you speak personally to us. And Father, I pray that we would take the step of obedience uh, to faithfully be in your word day by day so that we can hear from you so ultimately we can follow you so that Father, you can give us the life that Jesus promised when he said that I came that you might have life and have life more abundantly. And so we pray that it would be the obedience of our life that Father would uh, help us to understand the voice, your voice that speaks to us. And we trust this to you and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.